Um, welcome to What's Happening, the podcast where we talk to all of the best digital entrepreneurs in the business. Um, with us, Hobby Stewart. Um, I'm not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that is, uh, I saw Jack's little face there when he's like, oh, okay. Um, right. So, made famous by what we were talking about just then, um, cover songs on, on YouTube. That was, And it was a massive thing in kind of the sort of what 2010 to 2014 it was like a yeah. massive thing almost the pre-spotify when spotify was totally yeah not quite there and youtube was the place where everyone went for music and you would like you said ed sheeran would release a song but actually what people got hooked on was different people's takes on it different people's covers and and that's where you really really popped yeah it was an interesting time where the music industry was a bit all over the place because it was in between people buying albums and stopping buying albums because they could download them online so streaming not really being a big thing at all mm. so everyone was just on YouTube watching loads of music whereas it's not people are watching less music these days on YouTube like trying to discover things on YouTube people are watching from what I can tell anyway they're watching more YouTubers mm-hmm. and uh, like you know the big Vivo channels will get pushed a lot Yeah, and then yeah it's not the same thing anymore whereas like you would do a cover of a song and pe- so many people would be searching in covers of like you know Katy Perry Teenage Dream cover or whatever yeah so what so when did you start what, what year did you start properly was, pushing the YouTube um, it was late 2010 I was working in a call centre nice and uh, I hadn't done very well at college and I was like oh geez, man what am I doing my girlfriend while well, we broke up she went to uni along with loads of my other friends yeah and I was like what is the only thing that I've ever actually put any effort into Apart from football, and unfortunately, I'm not good enough to be a footballer. <laughs> yeah, as I see every, uh, every Thursday night at half five. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, making it, that's making it sound like I'm not a good footballer. <laughs> no, he is I a good am. footballer. He is a good footballer. One of our, uh, our uh, one of the strengths in the team. Yeah, uh, at amateur level, I'm, I'm pretty decent. Yeah, yeah. Five aside, you found your you found your oh, calling yeah, yeah. in five aside. Oh yeah, I love five aside. And um, so then I saw a few people that I know kind of pop off. Connor Maynard on YouTube was one of them. He because you're a Brighton boy, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, everybody yeah. on YouTube is a Brighton boy or girl. Which yeah. is like um and that's a really interesting start because do you feel like that had a massive impact because yeah. of the people that you knew and, and the fact you're in Brighton, which is a YouTube hotbed. Yeah. Is that a bit of a hundred percent. When you're around some people or know of people that are suddenly doing well, for example, once I was chatting on Facebook to Connor ages ago way before we were doing anything and then he was like oh yeah man check out this YouTube video and then it had like 200k views mm. I was like shit that's loads of views mm. and I was like uh, on a, at a level where I thought I was good I thought he was good too yeah. and then at around the same time a couple of lads called Rizzle Kicks who I knew from just growing up in Brighton as well they signed to Island Records and that kind of news like got around and stuff. And then I was kind of there like, shit, man, these people that like do music just like I do, done some gigs at some shit venues in Brighton, yep. are doing really well. So then you think, well, I can do it too. And that's exactly what I did. I started, um, I called up my boy, Alex. I was like, mate, can you like help me make a video where we sing and record it and do a video at the same time? And then like, you know, put them together either audio and the video because I didn't know anything he was like yeah man I think, think we can do that and then we did a <laughs> he's a revolutionary guy <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like sick he's like Steve it. Jobs he was yeah. seeing into the future and then I spent like three days practicing uh, Rihanna only girl in the world was that the first one yeah that was the first one I ever did and then uh, we'd done it and we'd had a shit camera we did it sorry 
had it in a week, but it was all right. Put it up, and then it got like 300 views overnight. Because, yeah, and it, it got, which is, it doesn't sound much, but. From nothing, from yeah, a yeah, yeah. 300 views in a night was kind of cool. Like, I just had lots of friends on Facebook and shit, and they watched it, and they were like, oh, yeah, Hobby, this is pretty good. When I sat there the next day, I was like, this is good, but it's not enough. I, would, I searched in Only Girl in the World cover, and I was on like the eighth page. So I was like, right, I need to do something about this. <laughs> so what I did, I came up with a little plan. I made like 30 fake accounts on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And what I would do back then in YouTube, the top comments were just at the, t there was two top comments. Mm -hmm. It wasn't how it is now where you scroll down, you can change between top comments or newest first. Yep. Like there'll be loads of comments and in the top two of the whatever ones were, you know, liked the most. Yep. And uh, to, depending on how much traction the YouTube video was getting, it would stay there for like a couple of hours or maybe even de a day. Yeah. So what I would do, I would comment from my YouTube channel on say whatever, whatever song that I had covered so let's say Rihanna, what's my name? I would comment on that and be like, yo guys, I'm a British boy. People fucking love British boys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a British boy and I've just done a cover of this song. It would mean so much if you could check it out. And if you like it, <gasps> give, give this comment a thumbs up. And then... You'd get your account yeah, to yeah, push yeah. it to then, the top. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's such a like, good business plan. <laughs> that's smart. So then I had like a Microsoft Word document up with all my emails of the different ones that I made like Charlotte Cohan 123 at hotmail.com <laughs> littlebunny1 at gmail.com I, I want to be in that room with coming up with the email addresses <laughs> and, and you've gone from Charlotte Cohan yeah. to littlebunny1 I'm just what's going through your no, head at that I had, yeah so I had like 25 of them and then all, obviously all with the same password so I'd be like copy and pasting bang 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 log in quick and have like the the, uh, the URL of the video mm -hmm. ready, so put that in, like it. Then I would just like it 30 times, and obviously it went to the top comments. And then I got quite savvy to a point that I would be doing this to, for, to like five videos at once. Mm. So whatever covers that I had done, whether it was like Rihanna, um, Adele, Katy Perry, and I would start doing this, this was in the work, first couple of days of my, my YouTubing life. I would do this before I went to work mm -hmm. and on the lunch break I went to a little internet cafe done it there after work like two or, two or three times a day and I think that really accelerated my growth on YouTube because otherwise it would take from what I could tell it would take like a long time to get to a point where you start coming up on searches unless something goes viral of course. So how, how quickly were you at a point where you were satisfied I, and what was satisfaction? Well, I signed management within two months of my first video to... And uh, what size were you at that point? I was like, had like 100K subscribers. So quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe really just well. below. Like, I did it a lot. And Facebook was really useful at that point because mm. there was kind of less algorithms to worry about. You put yeah. something up and everyone would see it, especially on pages. Yeah, yeah, they like, were gold dust. Yeah, they were great. I had like, you know, if I had 3,000 likes, I'd put up a video and everyone would see it. Mm. It was amazing. It was beautiful times. <laughs> <laughs> better days, better days. Yeah, really, really easy days. Like, as long as you had something going, mm. you would be able to reach so many people. All my subscribers saw my vids. Yeah. It was awesome. So like, that kind of buoyed me to work harder and harder and I'd, I would do a video every week or every two weeks. I would pay my friend like tenner an hour 
mm-hmm. to do them for me. And at this point, I wouldn't go out at all. Like I stopped drinking. I stopped like going to clubs and stuff. I was like really kind of sorting myself out, and it was a it was a great time. And within like, I think it was within six months, I signed a record deal. Right. To uh, to Sony, which is like uh, the, the problem. Was, were you one of the only ones that had come from YouTube that were getting that deal at that point, or yeah. was that was that the yeah. point where? Connor was getting a deal, obviously. Well, after Connor, I, I was um, basically the only one, yeah, and for like a couple of years, really. Because Bieber had come maybe a couple of years before. Yeah, Bieber had gone like, yeah, three or four years before or something. Or maybe so it was the UK years. catching up with the US. Yeah, exactly. And then so Connor got signed and then I got signed. And for a few years, that was, oh, there was Alexa Goddard uh-huh. at that point, remember her? Uh-huh. she done a Turn My Swag On. Yeah. She was good, actually. Yeah, she was, she good. was good. Such a throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I think that was it, really. So, you know, there wasn't it wasn't a very saturated market at all, especially in the UK, in terms of people putting up videos. You know, I would do a video, and uh, after a while, like, I would put it up, and I would be top three searches within a couple of days. Hmm. It was all too easy back then. <laughs> it was Nowadays, all too easy. All the kids want to be influencers. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah. all uploading their videos. They've yeah, all got yeah. iMovie on their Macs and they're all trying to like push themselves. I suppose yeah. it's so much more saturated now that it's not. Do you think it would be possible to, to do that now? I think, yeah, I, I was thinking about that the other day where there's ever any new artists like just coming up doing covers on YouTube. And I don't, I haven't seen any. Where did the vamps come from? They feel like a the band. The came. came from YouTube. I feel like they're kind of the U- yeah, they yeah. Were, they were a uni band, weren't they? Yeah. And I, I feel like they were one of those bands that some kind of management company done some uh, auditions and mm-hmm. they put them together and then they started doing tunes on yeah. YouTube or whatever. But I'm not sure that's how they got signed. I feel like they got signed because their management oh, had um, connections. The most recent ones, Dua Lipa, right? Yeah. She's she's a internet star that's 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 made it. Yeah, where did she come from? She um, from YouTube. Yeah. yeah, I think she was. Yeah, yeah. Um, she definitely was a she was definitely an internet star way before she was a uh, a, a household name. Yeah, um, she's still in it, like she. I mean, obviously she's huge now, but even her online presence is mad. Yeah, she's got like seventeen million likes. I mean, what is it? Follows on Instagram. She like yeah. she gets like three million likes. Yeah, it's nuts. Mental. Um, so, at what point do you stop? But did did music stop being the sole thing? Because now you do a mix of different things, and I know you've fallen out of love of it a bit. And I I want to get into that in a minute. But at what point did you go? Okay, this this platform that I've built to X hundred thousand people, I can do more of it than just do covers. Yeah, it was when I I left my label slash got dropped, but technically I left. Well, let's let's focus in on that. Then. So what yeah. what was that journey like? Because you obviously built this whole thing was to get signed yeah yeah um and then it it yeah it, it came to reality and then and then it fell away i think my problem in those days was it it all came a bit too easy in a way that i did i was working really hard but i wasn't putting as much time as i should have done into what is most important which is actually writing the tunes and getting good at that and i was doing that and i did improve a lot but I was kind of more caught up in this online world and like, you know, getting attention. It was quite satisfying yep. for my ego, like, you know, getting loads of like likes and yeah, girls of liking me and stuff. It was like a real 
exciting time. And, and how old were you? You were like... Uh, like 21, yeah, so 22. Like that's so pretty natural. Yeah, in hindsight, I wish that I had just focused more on the actual art like I have done in the last couple of years. Because that parents? is what takes a lot of time as well. What were your parents saying? Because obviously they'd seen you gone from uh, like telesales in a, in a call centre to to this signed artist, which you'd obviously wanted to do for a long time. Were they in your ear saying, get your head down, this is, this is what you need to do? Or they kind of leave you to it, looking for you to fall on your own sword and learn from your... Yeah, my, my dad... Well, he lives in Brazil, so he couldn't really see what I was doing. I would just be like, oh, yeah, I've done this. I wrote this song. Check it out. And then mm. he'd be buzzing. He, he backed me from the start. My mum, when I told her that I, a couple of weeks before I started YouTube, that I wanted to be a singer, she kind of just laughed at me. And mm. She was like, so does everyone, Hobby. Yeah. That's stupid. Like, you need to go back to college or do whatever I hadn't done yet. Um, so then she was all proud of me and stuff and really excited. And she would like you know, tell her friends how I was doing. They, they didn't really know what I was up to. I was living in London for quite a lot of that time. So, you know, they were just both excited. Like everyone was around me. Everyone was like so sure that I was gonna blow and be huge. Mm. And then uh, label labels are a complicated thing. Major labels are it's a big old machine. And at that point, they hadn't quite got to grips with how to manage someone that already had something going themselves in terms of an online presence. And they were, they kind of treated me like I was any artist mm. building from the bottom, which is where they went wrong. Um, and in a, yeah. yeah, in hindsight, they probably saw that they, they were wrong in that way. Because there was constantly a battle with them. They were like, oh, you need to do this, this, that. And I was just like, no, I don't need to do like a interview of a blog that has like, hundred followers like I'm not a new artist like that I am but I don't you've got an audience already. yeah yeah that's a waste of time we need to put more money into this or that or like you know a tour or something like that not wasting our time with this these little things that we don't need to do I've done that for you but they couldn't it was like they were too proud to drop what they that. were doing yeah exactly they were like no this is what we do with artists and that so they kind it. of they kind of understood what they wanted to do with every single artist but they and they understood that you were big because you had a YouTube channel and an audience already but they didn't understand how it differed from yeah. a normal artist and yeah, how exactly. they could treat two different things in a different way yeah and totally they just, they just defaulted into we sign artists artist does A artist does B artist does C rather than seeing that we signed this artist and this person has the, the ready made factors that we're trying to do with A, B and C and now we just need to bolt on our expertise and our professionalism to exactly. put him into a tour put him into the writing studio put him in with different writers and different experiences that he yeah. wouldn't have access to but we've got someone that's got an audience yeah yeah um, so what did it feel like when it all came crashing down it was a it was a classic case in labels where the people that signed me and believed in me they left yeah. Sony but Unfortunately, I was still signed to Sony as an artist. They're the ones that had put in loads of money into me. So I remember one day I went in thinking I was going to have a meeting about my next single. And they were like, yeah, Hobby, the thing is um, our co-venture contract with Sony is expiring and we're not renewing it. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, where are we going? And they were like, no, you're, you're staying. You're a Sony artist. But, you know, it's all going to be fine, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. And then within two weeks, I just didn't really have a contact at Sony. 
the chairman that made me a priority artist he left as well within the same month right the division that i was that they were i was like operating under the marketing bit and stuff that kind of got wiped out it was a big so old change timing. in structure it was terrible timing which happens a lot to artists if you're not established and you're on a major label there's always a risk that that's going to happen and it was a it was a sad time especially when everyone really believes that like this is going to be your year like you're going to release and it's going to be huge and blah 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 and everyone's gassing it for so long I'm believing in it and then from literally one week to the next you're kind of I'm back in Brighton sitting in my room like shit this is quite bad I don't know what to really do now and I didn't do anything for like a couple of months I was kind of lost I'd bump into people in Brighton and they'd be like yes I'll be mate what's going on like when's the shit coming out when are we going to hear you on the radio blah 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 I'd be like oh yeah yeah soon then I just feel really terrible about myself and uh, yeah it was a strange time it's like a similar sort of dynamic to a footballer really a youth player who's yeah. coming through yeah, the totally. ranks and looks exactly. like it's all going to be great and you're going to play for uh, Arsenal at the end of the season and you keep getting that that hope that hope and then the youth manager leaves and the manager who was putting you through the, the fast track to get into the first team leaves yeah, and then you're like oh, you're nobody again. Yeah, it's a great comparison. Then you, yeah, and then you dropped. And yeah. then you sold off. You're loaned out, and then it's you got to fight for yourself again. Yeah, and then you're loaned out, and then other people are like, oh, so if he wasn't good enough over there, then maybe he's just not that good after all. Yeah, like it was a bit of hype, and then the hype dies down, mm. and then what was I left with? Thankfully, I was left with something that I could build a career out of anyway, and kind of have a business myself. So that was a kind of time where I was like, right, I need to do some other stuff now X Factor and I did try it yeah, yeah. they uh, got in contact like literally a month after I left they were like hey Hobby we uh, saw that you're not signed to we've heard that you're not signed to Sony anymore would love for you to come in and chat at Psycho so then I was like ah oh, Psycho maybe Psycho want to sign me then it was just to try and blag me up to go on X Factor which is something that I never wanted to do but at that point I was in a strange place mentally and in my career, I was like, fuck it, man. Why not? It seems like a good shortcut, and I'll go and do it. And uh, it's, a, it's quite a contrived thing, and it's, uh, I found it very manipulating. I, I like, arrived there on the day at, like, 9 in the morning. They kind of leave you with no, they don't give you any food or, like, sort you out or anything. And my audition was at midnight. I got there with my family and friends at 9 in the morning, drew them from Brighton, my my audition was just after midnight and like half the auditorium had left including all the young females yeah. who, uh, who would have given me a good old shout yeah <laughs> <laughs> and I got through and it was like cool and there were I was in that was a strange time I, I was, two days later I was in the sun and the mirror so it was an insight into what why, this, why were you in there because uh, one of the stories was because Rita Aurora fancied me who, if she actually did, who knows? <laughs> and but if she did, uh, I could brother <laughs> up. <laughs> um, yeah, Hobby's number here on the YouTube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and I'd flirted with the judges, and yeah. oh, Hobby was signed to Sony, where Simon and Cow's label is. Is this all like fixed? Blah blah blah. It was a couple of little stories that it went everywhere. I was in the actual newspapers that I'm sure X Factor is set up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was I was actually the only contestant before the show started to actually be in a newspaper because I guess I had a story already mm -hmm. and that was a real interesting 
insight into what that machine could have given me but it's, it didn't feel right I was kind of there thinking what am I doing here I would walk around the um, the arena and like I would get asked for pictures and stuff and then I'd be like why am I here doing this stupid shit when I've already got something going mm. for myself and you know completely fair play to people who do it often it's people who are just doing a normal job and that's their big break and that comes across when they're on a camera for X Factor where I felt I found it hard to be super enthusiastic and excited when I was kind of a bit skeptical about it you know mm. what I mean it was it, if you're going to do something like X Factor you've got to give everything you have in terms of um, emotional investment and I was and I didn't do that and uh, yeah it just felt like the wrong thing for me to do I didn't enjoy it particularly so I called up like a couple of days later the day before I was meant to go boot camp like sorry but this isn't for me and that was that and I think it's the best decision I've ever made who knows like what it could have been but mm. it just wasn't me do you even think that if you'd won it you'd still want to be you still look back on it in the same way? That's so hard to say, right? Who knows? But like, it would have been a completely... Like, yeah. It would have still been your dream yeah. to be the... You know, what would have likely been Christmas number one, huge star. What year was it? What, it what? was like three years ago, I think. The thing is, though, Harry, I don't think I would have won it. I'm not... I, I wouldn't be that guy to cry on camera. And also, having a a good X Factor voice is different from having a good recording voice people go on there and they sing out these booming old tunes yeah that wasn't like you old school tunes and they'll sound great and they have this like real big husky voice but then you put them on a track and you can't tell any difference between them and another singer they don't sound distinctive mm -hmm. and I had that realisation as well I was like I, I will be good and I was one of their hot prospects that would be you know the production team were excited about me but there was a risk that I wouldn't actually do that well. They can do whatever they want. They can edit it how they want and make you sound, you know, better than you actually were or worse than you were sounding. And uh, I didn't want to risk my career and integrity for something that I couldn't control. So you went back to YouTube? So yeah, I was like, fuck this shit. I went, yeah, back to YouTube. <laughs> and, crawling and, back <laughs> <laughs> and and straight back into covers or at this time yeah. was it like okay I'm going to release my own music I'm yeah start writing I put out an shit. EP yeah. which did really well um, that was great thanks man. you know that's a, that's a real probably one of the top played songs in my in my car for real yeah you know my missus loves it as well yeah right? yeah yeah for real so like shout out to Lee <laughs> yeah. it, it, it it's just felt like the most well, I've, I'd probably only met you about six months before that came out. Yeah. Um, and I just felt like it was very you versus something that a record company had pushed you towards. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Was saying about X Factor the same way. It wasn't contrived. It was just, yeah. I felt like it could have been recorded in your bedroom. Yeah, which, and which it was. <laughs> my, my mate's bedroom, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and that just, it felt very real. And that's yeah. why I like about you in, in, in general. Thanks, and I'm man. like working with you and, and, and spending time with you as a mate as well. Yeah. Because I think the same way as I think about Harry Lee and I, I think about Jack, just real people in, in an yeah. industry where there's a lot of fakes. Um, and that's a really, really interesting thing. And it comes back to you living in Brighton and you've seen all that fucking stuff yeah. that's, that's, that's grown up um, and people have gone each way. Mm -hmm. um, so then, 
I suppose the last 12 months has been pretty mental for you. Yeah. Um, so for, for people watching, I, I spent a lot of time with hobby every week playing football on a Thursday night and the last 12 months, uh, well, about 12 months ago, you told us that you were going to have a kid and we're like, right. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. And yeah. we were sharing it in the office and we're like, right, this is come from nowhere. You, you weren't, with anybody yeah, yeah you weren't yeah, with yeah. anyone we, we hadn't expected that and we're like right okay and then we got the backstory about what that was going to be and who this girl was and uh we all kind of just accepted it for what it was um and then two weeks later you came back from a scan and then well well it was wasn't actually a scan it wasn't there yeah but you were Didn't told make it to the scan <laughs> funnily enough <laughs> but you were told told there was a scan and you were told the results were that you were having twins and and I remember, look, we were we were watching uh, a team that was playing before us, and I just like, I was completely speechless. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, yeah. mate, this is L- terrible. Looking back, it was you know, it, it, in hindsight, everything is clear. But uh, yeah, twins off a of one night stand is something that is tough. Yeah. That's yeah. tough, and, and it was <laughs> tough for us to get our head around it. And uh, you know, and we we knew relatively well, and, and we were kind of like, okay, this is this is pretty heavy going yeah um, that was the same week I, you might remember where I was meant to do a campaign for Malibu yes where I was going to Ibiza yeah and uh, I had a, a health problem and I had to have a, a, a um, emergency operation yeah so, it was uh, a heavy week I do remember yeah it was, it was a, a terrible week so I missed out on an Ibiza trip the day before I was meant to be going and like a fair amount of money um, and then that very day that I realised that I couldn't go to Ibiza she told me that she was having twins. It's a terrible week. <laughs> a really terrible week. Terrible week. Yeah. Um, Thankfully, I had footy on a Thursday. But I feel better. But I feel like it was a bit like football became a bit of a release for you oh, throughout totally. the whole. Inter- so the the obviously the end of the story is what made it the worst or the worst the part of the whole thing was that it was all fake from this girl and kind of she brought you down this road of complete mental torture in some ways and yeah, teased yeah. you in different ways and yeah. and set you up for a huge fall in an emotional way um, and I felt like when because we saw you two days after you found out that it wasn't true um, and I because we'd seen you the week before knowing that it was going to be a c-section we knew exactly the date we knew yeah, exactly yeah. the time <laughs> yeah. and we're like okay fine next week we're gonna have hobby here and he's yeah, gonna be yeah, that yeah. and it's gonna be crazy um, and I remember you walked towards me that day uh, at football two days after you were meant to have the kids and I jumped at you and said mate congratulations so exciting I can't believe it what's it like and you went um, mate it's uh, I'll, I'll explain I'll explain later and I thought fuck yeah. that, at that point I thought oh my god this this is, could be like obviously what happened was terrible but at that point shit was going through my head could have been I was like, worse, oh man. my yeah, god sure. this is terrible yeah, um, yeah, and again, we were talking about in the office maybe t- a couple of weeks later because like we we left it a period until you told us properly. Yeah, a couple. Of weeks. To, it was, to maybe tell. it was the next game or the game after. Yeah, and we yeah. Still, and like people just couldn't believe it, and yeah. and I think then you released the video. Yeah. I think it was worse for us because we like especially the guys they knew you, and so for them it was just like you could see the guys around the office. They were just like. You guys were quiet for yeah, a, for yeah. A it was me- it was mental. Yeah. Right? Just like, I, I couldn't get my head round. Obviously, you can't get your head round why someone would ever do that. Um, and for nine months, drag you along that journey, and, and then I couldn't believe 
the position you were put in and your family were put in um, after going through that that whole ordeal. Um, and then we sat down, and I remember it. We, we sat at, at Dirty Burger in Shoreditch after football, probably two weeks later. Yeah. Two weeks, um, yeah. And we just went, look, you're just going to have to tell us everything. And I've never been so quiet for an hour. Yeah. Eating my fucking burger. <laughs> just eyes fixated yeah, on you. Man, there was no bites from that burger. And, and what was amazing was when I watched the video when you released it, which ended up going mental. Hmm. Eight million views. You had to pull it down because it was, it was going so crazy. Yeah, and it was just like, it was kind of defining my brand at that point. And uh, at, a, at a time where I'm not really sure what I want to be. And what was weird was, and why you had to do it, well, you had to release it online, is because a week before you were doing sort of baby hauls and things like yeah, that. Yeah, switched. You'd, you'd, we'd discussed it. We'd said, well, look on the bright side of having twins. Your brand now is a young, cool dad. There's no one else like it in the UK. And actually... You know, without exploiting your kids, there's a there's an opportunity for you to remorph yourself into something else and be be someone different. And yeah, that's, and that's what you were kind of looking for anyway at that point. Yeah, I was genuinely excited about sharing that time and the journey of being a young dad, and because uh, I had been doing you know vlogs here and there. Yeah, and I was like, this actually gives me some kind of direction professionally as well. Mm-hmm amongst all the other things that I was excited for which was obviously goes far beyond yeah. Yeah, you know, of do, doing some videos but yeah I was excited for that and I really enjoyed making those videos for the first time outside of doing music I was enjoying well not the first time but you know for a long I hadn't for a long time enjoyed doing kind of vloggy videos and sit down videos like that so I was yeah so that I was a month before I'd put up like four videos in the two weeks after not uploading for like six months because the problem I had had before that is that she was so unstable and uh, understandably because she wasn't actually pregnant she was constantly kind of going off at me for random things and our relationship was very much difficult and complicated I would always be trying to be there for her and do what was you know right and support her and be tolerant as patient as possible when she yeah, you wouldn't were tiptoeing be... around at all yeah, times. Exactly. I was quite, yeah exactly and it was a, it was one of the hardest times of my life thinking that I was having twins with with someone that I didn't get on with I barely knew she didn't let me know her because I guess she's a very you know she was mentally unwell mm. and she was kind of living this lie mm. and I don't think she ever really planned to take it that far she has a, a complicated kind of condition, and one of the uh, I say it not the, um, the not a symptom the side effects. Of, not even side effect. I can't. Yeah, maybe it is a, a symptom. Is a consequence characteristic? Yeah, is a, was kind of impulsive behaviour, and I think she would get go further and further into this lie. For example, when we were meant to be having the gender scan. And she, you know, she's like, I can't fake this. And then she would, she would go off the radar for like two days, phone off, and then come back and tell me that her dad's died. Like it would get like more and more complicated for her as time went on because you can't really, not there's only yeah. a, up to you can't fake that. No. What was your reaction point. when you when we first told you, and then then you watched the video yeah. of which was almost word for word what you told us and. 
in the uh, in the burger restaurant, um, which was a credit to you as well because you told the absolute truth. You said exactly the same to your mates as yeah, what you yeah. said to the world, yeah. which is why it went so well, right? Why yeah. everyone took it on so well. But what, what did you think when you actually read it? I mean, appalled at first was just like, how could someone treat someone like that? But also, like, it was very, your honesty was very endearing just to see, like, because that's the kind of YouTuber or personality that you are, is that Mm. you were just, like, completely honest. But, yeah, we were just, like, appalled. Because, I mean, we'd done an interview maybe nine months or eight months before, and you, you told me the interview, and you were like, don't tell anyone yet, don't put it on the blog, because... You know, I haven't told people yet, but I could tell that you were really excited about it. Yeah. And then just to flash forward to that and just have it all just taken under you. It's yeah. just like, everyone, I just think everyone just felt like... Felt pretty terrible. Yeah, just yeah. almost like, how could you do that? How, like, how could you? Just yeah. Insane. And there is not, there's not really a, an answer for that, to no. be honest. I don't think she went out to ever take it that far. She's just unwell and got herself in a situation that she couldn't didn't really understand I don't think she has the empathy or to understand what she was doing she would lie she would lie to me and be lying to herself as well I think she went from kind of in between like three modes of really believing that it was happening to desperately wishing that it was happening to three kind of having these like strong feelings of regret and self-hatred for what she was doing and in those points, I think those were the times where she went completely off the radar. And uh, But you dealt with it really well. Like, you came away so. from it in a way that was... <laughs> you came away from it in a way that was very honest and, like... And then you sort of distanced yourself from it afterwards and you've... Yeah. You, want, you wanted to draw a line yeah. under it. Yeah. And, yeah. like, say, look, this is the problem, this is the situation I've been through, and then let's not talk about this again, which mm. I think was very mature as well as professional. Yeah. Thanks, um, man. I guess I, I, I was kind of forced into telling as much truth as I possibly could because she made it difficult online because she just kind of tried to keep the lie going. Yeah. And uh, I had to come out with, you know, like undeniable proof of what I was saying yeah. was true. And also because people say a lot of shit on YouTube these days, there was, there was, there was an opportunity for a lot of people to be like, this is bullshit yeah. like this is a soap opera what is this guy talking about so I, mean, I had to is. yeah yeah exactly so I had to I had to you know cover myself in that way as well and be because it's a story that's so crazy you can't really tell it that simply mm. right if mm. someone a couple of people advised me to not really say the whole thing just say that you know I thought I was having kids and now that's not the case and uh, please respect my privacy or whatever but people would be like what the fuck is he talking about yeah I, you know, I, I, I could I have talked to you about it and, yeah. and was like look as long as you th- genuinely think about it and ask questions to yourself on every point you make um, and you're honest and don't put don't put yourself out of the way to, to blame her and be smart about how you did it and you did it very well in exactly the same tone exactly the same wording as you told us yeah it was like you know it was it was not her fault in the weird way um and you just were unbelievably unlucky wrong place wrong time to get mm. caught up in it yeah um and it had a lot of knock-on effects for for you and, and, and family around you but i think it was the right decision to tell the world it the right way and yeah. i think it, it allowed you to get a lot of shitload of closure because yeah, otherwise, 
people have always would have always 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 asked you oh exactly man that's why i had some fat video i had to go up i was getting texts and messages and you know i'd bump into people and they'd ask me i had to just put everything in that video yeah. and they, no one needed to ask me mm-hmm. which is perfect and yeah yeah like, exactly that's it yeah um let's move on um <laughs> so then you've come out of that obviously your profile was huge at that point because youtube massively pumped that video um, yeah. and rightly so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wasn't really expecting that to be honest. I yeah. thought it would get like I don't know, like half a mil or something, but yeah, yeah to I get to like, eight mil, I was like, like trending above like Justin Timberlake and shit. Yeah, yeah. It was mad. It was kind of like I really didn't know how to feel about it, especially at first when it started popping off. I was like, oh, fuck, man. Of all the videos that I do, like videos of like I put loads of time and artistic effort. This was you in a fleece at the yeah, end of the exactly. Like, <laughs> I remember that fleece more than anything else. The fleece. Fucking awful and, look. Yeah, the fleece and like I hadn't even shaved. I was looking terrible. You looked like you'd just come out of a hostage situation. Yeah, I mean, yeah, which is, you know, which basically is in, what it was. In some, in some like, ways, I'd yeah. come out of like, you know, six, seven months of emotional abuse. Yeah. And that's how I was feeling. Quite very down and just more than anything, just exhausted. Yeah. Um, and then I just saw it just getting millions of views. I was like, for fuck's sake, man. <laughs> it could have been a music video. Yeah, it could have been something that's actually good. Yeah. That, that I try really hard at. Like, I spend like days and days writing songs and making songs. Well, I suppose it's, a, it's proof in the pudding about why soap operas do so well. Yeah, right? exactly, man. Because people, all they want, and why vlogs do so well. Because yeah. people just want the dirt on people's people lives. People are boring pricks. Yeah. yeah. It's and they like drama and watching stupid shit. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what's next for you? Obviously, music's still a massive part of your life. Yeah. Um, and you want to keep pushing forward with that, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've been working on a project under a new name that I'm releasing probably beginning of next year, which I've got a new manager for. In fact, two managers now. I've just recently got someone else on board. And are you um, doing this independently now? Yeah, it's starting independently with a with a goal of signing it to something, whether it's a major, but signing signing it to someone with more funding, basically. Yeah. You know, to help me get to where I want to be, mm-hmm. and to fulfil my ambitions. And uh, outside of music, I do have like a I'm in a bit of a crossroads where I'm not really sure what to do myself online because mm. I still get work in from brands. I turn down quite a lot of stuff, but like I do work. Um, and I make content that I like, uh, but nothing that's really any kind of identity at the moment or like something that I particularly enjoy. Um, So yeah, it's a bit tricky at the moment. I'm just kind of, the thing about the music- Why don't you document your return to music? Because I'm not sure if it's that compelling visually I'm, a lot of it is just me sitting in my room playing around with my guitar but your thoughts you know I'm just looking at it as a as a piece for you in the future because lots of people who start vlogs it's either to show people around them in a very simple way what they do every day because their family have moved abroad or whatever that's why they start or or um, for some people it's about looking back on this in 25 years time and having an actual video diary of something so that's kind of why we decided to start doing the video stuff here yeah yeah we're like okay we're doing really well and we're we're up to eight people in uk and five in new york um one how do we get here and now also in 10 years 15 20 years time i want to show bits to my family and things like that about them this is what we were doing when, when we were doing it. so wouldn't it be amazing to 
for yourself and you're lucky to have the big audience that comes with it but to have that diary to look back on in 10 years if this goes incredibly well this relaunch um, to go well, actually this is interesting this is idea Harry actually interesting idea great I look forward to talking to you about it later <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's how lots of people start right they just they just start they forget about the numbers because they don't really care about that and you're in a different position because you've got those already but they're just going okay I'm just going to do this for me because I want to look back on it in a year when I've released and look back on that low moment where I'm sat on the end of my bed going I've fucking hate doing this it's yeah, boring yeah. And I, you know the guy who I'm doing with pissed me off today and it's like shit and I don't want to get out of bed for tomorrow and like and that stuff is as, is as raw and as comes back to what people want to see right people want to see human problems and and gen, genuine human interaction and emotions and challenges yeah and, mm. and your thoughts and I suppose why Gary Vee's done so well in the, in the business sphere is because he just documents what it's like running a fucking massive agency yeah yeah and just totally honest about it and and I'm sure he wants to do it when he looks back on it in 30 years time and he can go actually that's how we grew that big and I yeah I felt terrible that day but I did feel terrible that day so why not show it yeah um, good idea Harry. so what's the what's the timelines with with your music um, I'm releasing January yeah January nice. it's kind of just at the moment just working on the sound that I want to put out is it an album or are you doing an EP. Like EP again four track EP yeah and uh, but I'm actually putting out something on my current channels like within the next month okay, nice. for the first time in a while which would be nice because I get a lot of messages and shit like I'll be what what are you doing yeah and what, okay let's go back <laughs> what do you do what do you do on a day to day basis what, what is Hobby Stewart's life bar Thursday night 6 days <laughs> when you're banging in goals for Go FC long ranges <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your what does your life look like now um I don't know man days are different I'll go to work with a producer at a studio or my friend's like studio sit in my room like I did yesterday and came up with ideas and uh, listened to some tracks found inspiration uh, done a lot of travelling lately as well mm, like after yeah. I even after, after I put up that um, that twin video you know uh, went, back to Brazil yeah I went to South Africa for a couple of weeks I went to yeah. Brazil recently I've been in America just kind of I don't know. It's, this year has been a bit. Uh, it's been quite leisurely. It's been like working on some tunes and also just getting the fuck out of here for a little bit. Yeah. You know, after because last year was pretty pretty raw. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I did get a little bit, in fact, quite anxious when I was last away. I had a realization. I was like, shit, man. I'm not working as hard as I need to be, and uh, I am not where I want to be right now. Um, professionally and kind of in my personal life as well so uh, this week's been good I've just been working on tunes it takes a long time making songs and something that you're proud of and then producing it and planning videos and kind of shit so yeah that's what I'm doing I know you had a question on what's yeah. the language yeah well the last cover you did was like a Portuguese Spanish like bilingual song yeah. and those have been going huge recently yeah, especially yeah. with like Cardi B I like it like that you know yeah, are you yeah. going to do more of that and are you going to see yeah. that in January yeah it's funny I had a, I had a meeting with my managers uh, the day before yesterday and that was one of the things that we yeah. were we had decided that I'm going to put some Portuguese in I'm releasing a Portuguese song within the next couple months that's actually recorded and done I just need to find um, the right person to do the video and uh, within a budget that works as well. Things like that are so expensive, Esme. Like, I, the level that I want to do things and 
what I envisage for my songs and what I think the song deserves. I like these are videos that like I spend like I want to spend five grand on at least. Like the Someone to Love mm. You video that yep. cost me four grand. Uh, the photogenic video cost me like two grand or something. And uh, and when you're just operating under yourself and doing things independently, it's quite hard. But I don't want to make something shit. So sometimes I'm caught in between this thi- problem of wanting to do th- something but not really having the resources. Why do you think the video makes such a difference? Because that's often where people first see the song. And if a song is great but has a bit of a shit video, it's just a shame. This can be a bit underwhelming. Do you watch uh, music videos a lot? To Quite get a lot. Quite a lot, yeah. Yeah. As Do mainly you find yourself watching music videos? I feel I just feel like that's quite old school now. I maybe because yeah. I just remember being being eighteen, nineteen, and, and, and having the music videos on the TV before you go out. To, yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And you yeah. just put that channel on, and that's the only real exposure I've ever had to music videos on a intense basis. And 